You didn't get that? We're on. <laughs> that should be an intro right there. You didn't get that? And I was, that's an intro. It's perfect. Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm super excited to have my good pal, Matthew McGarity, in front of me live outdoor studio. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well, and you have a very adorable smile when you're doing this podcast. Oh, thank you. I love it, man. I would say I'm an, a huge fan of what I'm doing you right now. You actually enjoy it. I can tell that you enjoy it. I sh- I'm I sh- feeding off of it. I really do. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners? My name is Matthew McGarity, and I don't do anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like something new. Is this, is this a new yeah, not doing anything for you? Good good tea question uh yes i uh, i left my job and today's my first day without anything to do and you know dog still got me up at 4 45 i actually guys this is so sad i actually was still i still have my t- access to my teams and i don't think they're going to turn it off because they want to hire me as a <laughs> consultant so i'm still getting like messages and i was still kind of working this morning and i'm like you're such a fucking loser. Yeah. Oh, how's cursing on this? No? Oh, I'm a big F-bomb dropper, okay. so All no right. sweat there. So, you know, so I, um, you know, I was dealing with a, arranging a webinar on Tuesday, and I'm like, all right, you know, I got to just, I got to, and I got a meeting tomorrow with my new hire, because he wants to, like, uh, practice. The person replacing you? Yeah. I, well, you know, it wasn't, yeah, he was kind of replacing me, but, you know, he had four months of me training him. He didn't know I was leaving, mm-hmm. but... When I called him into my office, you know, four weeks back, I was like, can you come in the office and close the door? And he's like, you're fucking leaving. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, Alan, I'm leaving. But <laughs> How did Alan take it? Is, his Al- mentor leaving. Alan again. is very funny. You know, he's younger, um, but uh, less experienced, but he's got, he's, he's good. You know, way more, way better with IT than me. Um, you know, uh, but he's good, you know, he's got a good sense of humor. We, we actually went to a bar afterwards and uh, the waitress or the waiter, one of them was, uh, shadowing the other and, uh, <laughs> very appropriate. And then the, my, one of our buddies was like, Oh, I guess that, you know, she's shadowing him or he's shadowing her. And he's like, it's tough to see that sort of mentorship <laughs> right now after you've left, you know, after now that you're leaving. So he's got a good sense of humor. That he, is good. He's in good shape. And we're actually meeting tomorrow for, so he could, uh, just practice public speaking, He's got to present something that I tried to get in. I tried to finish it before I left, but I couldn't. So he's got to take it. He'll be fine. He's going to just throw him into the water. Yeah. Well, I mean, Alan seems like a pretty good guy. And I've known you for, geez, I mean, damn near 15 years at this point, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been a, it's been an unfortunately long period of time as a bee flies into my face because we were doing an outdoor podcast. Yes, it's beautiful. I got a, a wonderful view. I'm, I'm looking at the fucking house john has the view of the woods and the trees i got the view of the fucking house i didn't have a you know ah uh, fine fuck it's, it. it's okay we can move your chair if you want but uh so we've known each other for a really long time some of our first interactions were uh incredibly intoxicated um clothing optional and very interesting mm-hmm. and the person that you've become since these initial interactions is uh a marvel to me because not not as if you are unemployed you are voluntarily unemployed because you've got kind of a huge chapter in your life coming up so why don't you tell me about it well, thank you john that's <laughs> very sweet of you uh, I've, I've left my company to uh go to uh study public health so um at kind of an okay at, at yale yeah. university i uh, um, haven't heard of that one before is that is that like pretty pretty good 
it's good. It's a good school. It's is that like school. Phoenix Online? But good been, or no, it, it, no? It's a good school. And I've been grounded because I was talking to uh, a client. He's from Harvard, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, okay." <laughs> and I was like, "I needed that <laughs> to ground you." Yeah, but I, you know, it, I, it was totally just a reason so I could leave my company and have an excuse without burning a bridge. Sure. You know? I mean, it's hard to say no to Yale, but you know. I, yeah, no, it's great. It's it's uh, I haven't started yet. Uh, I start uh, June second, July excuse me, July second, which is good because they, um, you know, they just want to get in right before Fourth of July weekend. Let's get some studying in. Yeah, like two days of yeah, school. Yeah, it's good. Let's do that. <laughs> let's start July second. That's the st- you know. It, there's some pre course work, but let's 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 you know let's hit the books July second. Very interesting timing. So what made you decide, like, you've been in the same job, I think, for 11 five, years. 11. I almost 11 said five. Years. Jesus. Yeah, God bless you. Years. So 11 years climbing the corporate ladder. You've had a very successful last 12 months while the entire world was falling apart. And to me, it's a interesting time in your career to kind of take a step back and be like, I want to do something else. What was that, like, decision-making process like on your end where you're, you know, wrestling with how to make this decision or not? You know, you you don't make a decision like that because it, it just happened. That's something that's been simmering inside you for a while, and you might have had a, a you know a catalyst to that that says this is really why I want you know I, I got to make this judgment call now. You know, and really it's, it 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 was because I had a, I was there for eleven years. You know, and you know I love working there. I love I love my teammates. You know, you know they're just uh, internationally domestically great great team great organization great people I, you know what i loved about it is that i was all i was working with a bunch of smart people all the time mm-hmm. so i could i could talk to a doctor in polymer science you know he's my mentor dr sanjeev gandhi and or talk to somebody who's a you know expert in filtration because they, they made a filtration lab you know and so that was great but the last year and a half seeing how I would say that we've dealt with uh, the COVID-19 um, pandemic. We realized, I realized that we were, you know, there's other work to be done, really, especially when it comes to before the, you know, the, before the, let's say, whatever, you know, whatever Pre-COVID. contagion gets here, you know. Uh, so just, uh, I dealt mainly with the PPE front, um, so the personal protective equipment. And, you know, I noticed shortages were occurring I saw, you know, kind of different spikes of testing. Um, this was back into, you know, in, in, in February. So, um, you know, I knew that the virus, you know, the Wuhan virus, what we was calling it, you know. Um, it was, the China virus. Yeah. China, China. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, no, I noticed that something was going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, work in an, I worked at an international company, so I know, you know, there's a lot of, you know, things affect other things. And... And I also noticed, talking to my friends who are doctors and nurses, that I can't get any, they were wondering why they weren't able to get any, you know, gloves or something, you know. And I knew, you know, being in the industry, I knew that Wuhan was really actually, no one really talks about the fact that Wuhan is also the center of the PPE industry. Really? Yeah, that's where, that. that's where most of the PPE in the world is made. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's the correct, but... Close. Colloquially, it's known as, you know, one of the, the major hubs, if not the major hub. So, you know, just uh, I was just kind of getting nervous that there was going to be a perfect storm where there, we would have no PP because we're already going through our existing stockpiles because we couldn't get any before COVID got here. And then when COVID got here, we would need an extraordinary amount. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
that's what happened and uh you know and it never really it, it evened out eventually but uh just seeing that you know we are the united states of america i'm used to us you know i was thinking okay world war ii we're gonna you know we are pumping out you know b-17 bombers and tanks and you know all kinds of shit just the arsenal of democracy and there should it, be no problem it just never really materialized in the u.s uh, the domestic production there was domestic production don't get me wrong definitely was but not to the point where i didn't have to go to a gas station to get a uh a chinese made or a chinese kn95 mm -hmm. which is a um the the chinese equivalent to a, an n95 here right. so you know they're, they only allowed those into the U.S. for special circumstances. And, you know, getting those a year later, it's like, come on, what are, what are we doing here? You know, sure. we can't make the, because the, the, the margins aren't there, we can't make these in the U.S., you know. So it was just, a, it was a bit of a shock to the system. Um, seeing that, dealing, you know, and, and, and helping, uh, you know, working with the White House uh, Coronavirus Task Force and uh, FEMA and other, you know, major... City was like we have ten million gloves, but five million are the different size than the other ones, and the, you know, and it's because they're wild, uh, wild inefficiencies. They, well, they're all looking for numbers. They want to import numbers, not so much uh, quality. And so we are in the quality business. That's what I was in. So we would test these types of PPE. Uh, you know, for a glove, we would fill it up with water and see if there's any leaks. We would do tensile testing on it. We would, you know, age it and then redo the tensile testing to see if they actually have that efficacy that it's, you know, They're required. Yeah. You know, and for, for masks, we would do filtration uh, testing. But um, it was more about just numbers. And I was just kind of shocked that, you know, seeing uh, pictures of uh, the healthcare workers in, you know, trash bags, yeah. which, you know, I, I know that was only the beginning, but come on. You know, and, and also I had to, I started mailing my friends who were doctors masks. Uh, my, our one friend who had a, had a newborn or, you know, I think, a, you know, very young, uh, six months maybe, and uh, Connor, and she had to, he had to get surgery and they had no hand sanitizer to give her. Jesus. So I had to mail her hand sanitizer, like in a care package. Yeah, it's ridiculous. What, what is, like, you know. So you're seeing all these, like, inefficiencies in the marketplace, and you're like, I could be doing so much more? Well, I mean, it, I think it was just, in the initial rush, shock was just, you know, it was doing what we normally do just on overdrive, you know, and working with all of our different teams, um, you know, in Europe and Asia. And, uh, and so, but after a while, you know, it was more about thinking long-term, what can I do long-term? Uh, as opposed to just because uh, I, I don't want it to get to that point where we're here, you know, we're still doing, you know, we're, we're wearing fabric masks, you know, which is, don't get me wrong, they serve their purpose not to, they don't protect you, they protect others. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, again, with inefficiencies, we were the only country for a while that, we're well, not the only country, but, you know, there was the, let's say uh, France, the UK, Spain, they were all making their fabric mask standards. They were bringing in their textile industry because non-wovens were such in short supply. Mm -hmm. So they had to bring in their textile industry because that was the, you know, what else can we use to, to kind of, you know, mitigate, mitigate this and supplant making using non-wovens and it was textiles. And so w when you do that, you have to make minimum requirements to ensure that, you know, you're not making just a fucking piece of fabric that you're putting over your face, which <laughs> actually can actually 
further aerosolize the uh, respiratory emissions because you're putting them through a grate, essentially, a mesh. Right, so it makes it worse. So it, that's like a gator, a one-layer gator. You need at least three layers, um, you know, and, and, and so when you, when you say, when the CDC says, start making fabric masks, everybody, at home, you know, first off, a lot of that is, is bullshit because they just want, they need us in a time of emergency to think that we're doing something yeah. to help. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, the washing your hands was mainly just cosmetic. Mm -hmm. It was just saying, you know, you know, of course it helps, but we're doing something to, I'm doing my part, you know? It's like the... Well, it's like the old adage. It's like, if they don't say anything, they're wrong. And if they tell you the wrong thing, they're wrong. Yeah. It's like we've done so much second guessing over the last year that it's like, you know, now they're just this week, they were like, oh, masks don't do shit at all. Like, it doesn't matter, don't wear them, doesn't need them. And it's like, yeah, but like, so over the course of the last year... Had they been like, don't wear a mask, and 600,000 people died, they're wrong. They tell you to wear a mask, 600,000 people die, they're still wrong. It's like there's just all this double standard of yes and no and no and yes. Well, I think it, it's it's because you're trying to explain something that, you know, these types of studies have a very high burden of, um, you know, uh, logic and data. And so if you have a thesis or a hypothesis, you have to have strong evidence as, as why and do a statistical analysis on why it was that that's correct. Um, you know, if I'm trying to see if the, a statistical difference between two, two, you know, hypotheses, I, I'd have to see, you know, ensure that I'm doing the analysis to ensure that it's a statistically significant difference, mm -hmm. you know, and, and to be honest, it was in the beginning, you know, you have to look at the human factors of things. So if I'm wearing a mask, in the beginning, we have some random virus that we really don't know much about. And if I tell everybody, okay, you know, wear a mask. Um, a that doesn't it's not intended to protect you because it's if the only thing that you can wear that will protect you is a is a respiratory protective device like an N95 not a mask and now you have to think of the human factors point of view as okay we're worried about everybody who doesn't really want to you know deal with this pandemic if they all start wearing masks are they just going to say I'm wearing a mask I'm I'm bulletproof now sure and then just have all this behavior where they're just even you know they they're not mitigating the pandemic and not being conscious of it where they are but they don't care as much because they think they're protected wearing this mask that's actually not protective so you have that one part which is the human factors element and the second part is we just didn't have any masks left mm -hmm. so if there's a mass rush on the very little about a supply that we had you know the healthcare providers would be even worse position so it was really those two dynamics um that i think that they were saying that you know don't wear a mask or you know don't go out and buy masks. It was mainly just, uh, I think, of a mixture of those two uh, I th reasons. I think the outside looking in frustration, like from my perspective, is it's very difficult to imagine getting 99.9% .9 correct answers in the middle of what's going on, right? Yeah. As you mentioned, these data scientists are crunching numbers and doing things in real time, and you're talking about sample sizes that are constantly increasing. So for sure, they make decisions today that might not be as factual as they are nine months from now, because there's nine more months worth of data that they're able to analyze and look at. And yeah. what the biggest thing that has alarmed me about the entire pandemic in general is the po politicalization of the entire mask wearing, of the entire washing your hands we're talking about things that are trying to mitigate saving lives yeah. and it's not a political thing and it, and it unfortunately has become one so my question for you is you've gone through this year of 
an insane trial and tribulation of, you know, what is the industry that you're in. And then you decided to say, hey, I can be doing more. I'm going to go back to school, get a degree in public health, get a master's, whatever it is that you're doing. And what is like the reason behind that? Is it because of everything that you saw over the last year? Do you want to be... Matthew McGarity, Dr. Fauci, number two. Like, what's no, what's like? I'm not nearly. I mean, you. I mean, I could never be somebody like that. That takes you. I should have started 15 years ago. Yeah. So it's just you know I, I would like to take my position on taking. I've been in the corporate world, but in a technical scientific environment. But mm-hmm. I'm very you know I had to manage our response, and so that was. I mean. In the beginning, the money wasn't really an issue. It was just do what we can. But, you know, after a while, we had to start making money to at least, you know, because we weren't charging hospitals, um, you know, any kind of like expiring fees. We were doing free consulting. But um, eventually, I mean, a year and a half later, it's, you know, you got to start making some money. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was just, I think think it was taking my, my mindset of seeing how companies were dealing with the pandemic in real time, um, you know, the massive companies where, you know, if they make a simple choice where if you, uh, if you have your, you know, your, your employees wear a better mask as opposed to just a cheaper one, you know, it might be 15 cents additional to buy that, you know, per unit, but the, you know, the preventative power of that having a much better mask that meets certain industry standards can really mitigate the spread, you know, of, you know, because it's a better source control device. Source control is just limiting the respiratory emissions mm-hmm. of, a, of a person wearing a mask. Um, so I think it was, you know, and you might not have that if you're just purely been in a, in a lab or a scientific environment. You don't quite have the perspective of other com- you know, people in the business world, the corporate world environment, um, where eventually, you know, they their survivability is is part of it too they can't just close mm-hmm. you know it's you know i think that we need a little bit more of a of a middle ground there um where we're thinking about pandemic mitigation but also the economic impact and they tried i mean we were looking we're playing you know this is this is us you know playing hindsight mm-hmm. oh for sure i mean that's 95 percent of life right i yeah. mean not many people have the benefit of hindsight before they do something um so i guess for me it's like i've known you for a long time i, I think you're a business major biz, business Ener- energy business energy business when I was, john when i was in college oil was hot yeah you know and then it was actually negative one dollars i think at one point this year <laughs> or two years ago so yeah i graduated in a, uh i think unemployment was 12 percent and so I, I, I had a job somewhere. I got pulled, and I started landscaping again. And I got a job at this company. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm really interested in the journey from energy business manager to landscape architect to so well, you <laughs> to know future scientist Matthew McGarry. I mean, like you've been working in in science for for 11 years, and now you're going back to school. It seems like a big jump for someone who's in their 30s to be like, you know what, I'm not content with what I'm doing anymore. I want to go ahead and restart my story from a work perspective. Yeah, well, I just think that, um, I don't think we're, uh, the, 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 a pandemic is the number one threat that we have facing us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you, you look back on the, 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 the list of threats, and I think it was actually this past year, and I forget the 
organization that has this list or whatever and the doomsday organization yeah, yeah. yeah not quite yeah it's not the doomsday <laughs> clock though it's something it's some other organization but whatever they they didn't even include a pandemic in the top five and it's just like what are we, do, what are we doing you that's know? very surprising and they, they actually had the conference in like late january early february and there were people there being like you know, what are we doing here? You know, like the real people all think they're crackpots, you know, and they're like <laughs> asteroid. Yeah, this one, I think I forget this, this, he, I forget this author. He wrote a book about the, I think it's just called Apocalypse or something. And he talks about the ends of the world and different, different disasters or what have you. And like he was emailing people, like, can we not have people of the organization, like, can we not have people from Wuhan come to the conference? And they're like, you're being ridiculous. And <laughs> it's like, I think you're being, you know, there's hindsight for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, but. You know, 99 out of 100 times, that guy's nothing happens. He is know? the crackpot versus so, being dead on. Yeah. What is this mask thing? You said they said masks don't work this week now. I don't know. There, there was some report that came out. I hate comments like that. John. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna get real close. John, do, do you know what I hate? This, the, what I hate. Particle science doesn't change <laughs> overnight, John. Well, you know, the reporting of particle science does change overnight, Matt, and that is the frustrating thing to me because what the, what. The news doesn't tell the news anymore. They are media companies masquerading as news organizations. Yeah, I know. And terrible. they no longer provide you unbiased facts. They give you opinion. So when someone goes on TV and says, fuck you for wearing a mask, yeah, they're op-eds. you're a sheep, Th- these, are not, these are not people dealing in facts. They're dealing in opinion. And somebody released something this week that said masks do nothing and something to the extent of what you're saying, cheese grater, the whole nine yards. I don't really read it because I try not to watch the news and listen to it because... It is opinion-based. Yeah. If I stand on my Twitter account and say, ha, I, I got COVID and I was wearing a mask the entire time, it's like, what? what is that? This serving no purpose. It's serving no good. And unfortunately, this is like the world that we live in today. Yeah. And there's also the, the you know, everyone thinks the exception to the rule is now the rule where, oh, you know, so-and-so down the street got a vaccine and we got sick a week later vaccines you know they're, they're microchips you know they go, go right to the extreme <laughs> oh, a lot of people yeah. putting keys on their arms because they're now magnetized yeah and, yeah um and, and the reason why this 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 belief in science is not there anymore is because we've grown up in a coddled environment where science has allowed us to be coddled and we don't we take it for granted 100 percent. you know where it's we're, we don't realize that the you know the concrete that was in that stairwell right there was developed by doing compression tests and drying tests and, and ensuring that it actually can withhold you know withstand the weight of a house mm-hmm. that's science right yeah but you know they don't care about that they don't realize that that science is everything that they do it's because they watch certain news channels and they decree xyz that has not rooted in fact but people because they see it on television are of the mindset that this was on my tv this was broadcast to me. This must be true. You know how it was broadcast? Yeah. S- satellites and science. Yeah. yeah, satellites and science. I think my favorite thing was uh, this week I saw this woman um, talking about how the vaccine is bullshit and her sister's cousin's friend's uncle. Um, you know, why Why is the government giving free vaccines for everybody? I don't understand. But Right logical you're talking in logic that's yeah. not how these a lot of these people deal um she's like i don't understand why why this is free why does the government want us to have these shots there's something fishy going on this is why is why is cancer treatment not free why is aids medication not free why is admin med- medication not free and it's like oh honey i'm sorry you're 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 describing socialized medicine yeah. welcome to the conversation yeah <laughs> I know. but 
again, back to my question. You've made a pretty strategic shift in your life to go back to school, to get another degree. Why? Because there's more I think I can do, you know? There's, I like that. There's more I think I can do. Uh, you know, and I love, you know, I studied meteorology for two years, and public health is kind of similar, similar in a way where um, everybody thinks you're wrong all the time. Nobody really likes you. <laughs> um and you're just Sam Champion. You just yeah, I'm ABC not, News. I, yeah, I'm not choosing a field where everyone's like, oh my god, you know, wow. No, it's like public health is like, oh god, you're gonna you're, you're the person that's gonna make me you know close Buffalo Wild Wings for three weeks, you know, because there's an outbreak of something. Right. But you need public health. It's similar in the way where this is a, a kind of a silly comparison, but the CIA, you don't know you you know when it's not working, right? And you don't know when it is working, correct? And that's kind of how it. It is, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, that's a very good analogy, actually. Um, talk, uh, obviously, you've been married. I think you guys are married four or five years now. Uh, let's see, five years, five years, five, five years. wonderful years. Claire's the best, obviously. She's Hi, Claire. Um, what sweet. What are the conversations like in a marriage when you have a very successful job, you're doing really good, and you want to go from being this incredibly successful person to this, you know, person who's now paying? to go to school like, well you know claire already is that because she's an incredibly brilliant person you know and she's a she's in a position where they don't really value incredible brilliance a lot of people being a teacher middle school teacher teaches science um so she kind of she gets it mm -hmm. you know and and i get the fact that she's a teacher i, I remember my teachers and they had such an impact on me and you know, and people will come back and talk to Claire, uh, students, and say, you know, this is, I did this because of you, you're a teacher, you know, and so she wanted me to do it. She gets it, could you, know? you Could you have done it, like, maybe without the support, or it's like... No, of course not. Sure. And it was more about, she supported me more this whole year, you know, it was a crazy working hours, it oh, was just, imagine. just, you know, being in a mask testing company during this, it was just, it was, it was nuts, and so... <laughs> And she would just like serve me food at the door and I would just like nibble on like a avocado toast and then go back to work and just grunt, you know, and I had a long beard and, but it was just, it was just a wild time, you know, and I don't want that to happen again. I like that. I mean, I think that's incredibly noble. Um, and okay. It's, 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 you it's, you can decree the nobility of it or not. I'm. We just have. I am the we host. We have to be ready. We have I'm to be allowed ready. to say that yeah, is okay. a noble endeavor because not many people, when tasked with making a moderately huge impact on their own personal lives, will say, "I think I can do something more," and then go do it. That's not common. People get very um, comfort comforted in their everyday routines of making a certain amount of money having a certain car having a certain house and not many people are going to be like oh i'm going to take a chance of doing something else in the middle of that and i think that's incredibly awesome and noble and in a lot of ways it mirrors things that i've kind of done in the last couple of years in terms of chasing passions and and whatnot and john, john and i are both secret photographers <laughs> we, we compare pictures <laughs> Photos, excuse me. Photos, yes, um, for sure. But I, I do find that to be a noble endeavor because you are trying to make sure that something like that, just what you're inspired over the last year, won't happen again. And I can't say that that's a common thing. And I know you were going to disagree with me, but it's not. Yeah, well, you know, it's, we all have, we all see our path, and uh, sometimes you know, it takes longer or other events to to make you realize that path. And we'll see what happens. You know. 
I think we have probably very similar uh, upbringings. We grew up in the same area. We both have, you know, siblings. Um, what did you want to be when you were like in high school, like when you grew up? I had no idea. You know, uh, I had no, I had no idea because I knew that I had so many options. It wasn't like I want to be an astronaut. <laughs> you know, I was like, do I want to be an astronaut? I want to be this. Uh, I knew athletics was out of the question <laughs> from very early age. Sure. So um, I don't know. You know, I didn't. I didn't grow up and be like I want to be a technical man. You know, director of a PP testing house. You know, during a pandemic, that wasn't like the. Okay, that's what I'm. My little star. How about college? I didn't know either in college. Yeah. I didn't know either, you know? I like that. I've had some conversations recently. Uh, I, I, on my last podcast episode, I interviewed uh, Taylor Ballantyne. She's a wonderful photographer and director. And she said that she went to her mother at age 13 and said, I want to be a photographer. And I was blown away by that because in so many ways, she's accomplished her goals a million times. And I can't relate to that at all. I never really had any inkling of what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be growing up, not in high school, not in college. I just kind of did the thing that you're supposed to do. You go to college, you get a degree, you get a job, and then you need to make more money because you need a nicer car and a nicer yeah, watch. But I never really knew what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. And I, I find it refreshing that you're kind of the same way. And it's, it's nice because it is a very reassuring feeling when you meet someone who doesn't know at 13 what they want to be. Um, and it's also nice also for when people are, you know, doing the thing that they've always been passionate about or wanted yeah. to do. Um, but yeah. And I'm 33 and I, I don't really know what I want to do. I, I don't know how this is going to shake out. I just think this is the next logical step, you know, and you know, it's not, there's not really jobs where you can be like, that's what I'm going to go to school and I'm going to be a, you know, a money manager. Or I'm going to be a architect. I don't know what's going to, I don't know what's going to come from this. Mm -hmm. So what, what over the last year, um, I guess gave you the confidence to be able to take this risk. I mean, was it the way you handled all of the craziness that was the last year? Um, was yeah. it the support system you have at home? Like, what? I think it was both. I think it was both. You know, I was able to leverage all the resources we had in an efficient manner. And, you know, we did a lot of, uh, got a lot of testing done and, and qualified a lot of different PPE. You know, I think it was just, I like to deal in emergency situations because my head is always spinning and mm -hmm. i'm thinking right now about why is that post not lined up properly you know it's and, coming you out. know That's and they, they they did not use pressure treated wood and it's outdoors and that bothers me but i know why that is because you know uh, it's cheaper no i mean but you the 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 supply chain impacts of having a pandemic is that you know people start buying furniture and start doing all home activities and now there's a run on pressure treated wood there's a run on cedar which is weather resistant and now there's a you know, lumber's up 208% or more and at this point more so but I'm all over the place and so I when things are going chaotic I I'm in my element so to speak I enjoy that because it, I'm in total chaos all the time I like that you ever you ever watch poltergeist where you know like they I've seen them all yeah they tormented I mean, my them, childhood you've seen but, them all yeah. I mean one although the guy was really creepy that one guy the like old like the preacher yeah. from the second one or third one but anyway so when they this is like 45 minutes in you know they things break, are starting to go yeah, crazy yeah, they, yeah shit's, shit's real they bring in those ghost hunters you know and they're like you know the one guy's like I actually saw uh, a, a toy car move you know 
a quarter of an inch in three hours on a slow mo video, and then he's uh, then I forget coach. He's just coach to me. Yeah, what's coach. his name? What's his name? Uh, Love him. Fuck. Oh my god. Uh, coach, he's coach. Coach, yeah, coach. Coach is like, yeah, all right, cool, all right, come over here. And then he opens up the door. To and his door just and there's light. just chairs There's like, <laughs> chair spinning. Yeah, chair and, spinning. Yeah. There's the dolls, dolls going yeah. around. The, the record players playing. That is my head all of the time. <laughs> so, and it doesn't get worse than that. I don't get more chaotic. So I'm just kind of at home. You know, I was born in the chaos. <laughs> and so I was born in uh, the yeah. darkness. So I, I enjoy at that level where people may not be at that level because of something going wrong. I'm, I'm there all the time. Interesting. And so uh, I think I, I'm similar in that way. I, I've got a lot going on in my mind. You know, I, I didn't have the creative outlets 10 years ago that I have now. Like, I didn't know to pick up a camera or a microphone and, like, channel the chaos in my head into, like, these other things. Um, so it's been an, an immensely, like, uh, focusing last year because I've been able to kind of attach on to the things that I'm super passionate about. Yeah. And that's been nice. And, you know, good advice from family and friends and um, just like them giving me the reassurances to take these chances has also been really reassuring for me. Um, but I, I know what that's like. Trust me. Yeah. You know, it, it's, and I think, uh, you know, some of my best shots that I got have been during the pandemic because um, I think it forced people to look more inner and i you know and i one of the things that i've realized is that you, i i always listen to something mm -hmm. podcast music because i can't take the the chaotic you know the chaos that's going on and all the thoughts that i'm having is just you know it's so much to you know i need to i need to listen to something to so i focus on the thing that i'm my task that i'm doing but I, you can't run away from that. You sure. got you got to listen to your inner self and see what's going on, and you know. And, and if you want to do, you know, you, you want to take, you know, be a photographer, then be a fucking photographer. You know, it's not that easy. I know it's not it, that yeah. easy. You know, and but you know, that's the, that that but you just is, gotta you just gotta fucking do it. That's the hardest part. It's I just, agree. It's just taking the leap. You know, and I, I that's why I give you an immense I, amount of credit for what you're doing. And I love this podcast. Thank you. I love it too. But what you just said is super important because it the, through the last, you know, 27 or so episodes that I've done, it's more invigorated me to do the things that I love because I'm talking to other people who are also doing the things that they love or chasing dreams that they have. And when you're growing up, you're not told to chase dreams, right? You're told you can be an astronaut or a doctor or a lawyer, but you're not told, hey, I can, you know, mitigate a fucking global pandemic and then go be a public health official they it, you know it's not like you're geared towards doing things that you were actually passionate about it's more so just get good grades go to a good college get a good job and figure it out yeah and it's freeing when you like hop off the rat race and figure out like i'm gonna now go down this path however far it takes me however hard the road is and like try to do something that truly is fulfilling yeah well you know what you you can you can learn i think doing it after a certain amount of time is is kind of good in a way because you learn from that you know quote unquote rat race where it's how to be a team player how to communicate sure. uh you you mature uh and you take the you know these perspectives that you know what wouldn't normally get mm -hmm. and then you can take that and you be a better person if you do make a career shift because Again, going back to what I was saying about the perspective is you're taking something where somebody who's been in the field the whole time, they have just done this, they've never, you know, they don't have the perspective of somebody who is 
been on the other side of things. Mm -hmm. And I'll never have the experience that somebody has been in public health the whole time, you know, not starting at 32. But I hope to bring some kind of uh, a different point, a viewpoint for where I was, where, you know, they might be, you know, writing publications and papers about transmission or whatever, but seeing how faulty our supply chain was and, and you know, it all the taking end, that experience. Yeah, the end goal is transmission. So you can have you know a fantastic design mask or respirator, but if you don't have the supply chain, or the or the you know the industry thought is I have to you know I I can only have two weeks worth of supply and then get through it and then two weeks worth of supply and it's very inflexible and because of that quick turnover I never have to have stock building up and I can be very flexible and um, well flexible not you know I mean inflexible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it's where the rubber meets the road, essentially, you know, and, and working on standards groups, the, the standards are the ones, the, the groups of nerds who get together, who writes these standards that everything that you look around meets to ensure, you know, levels of, of even levels of performance and safety. Um, and I found a lot of times in academia, that there was, there wasn't a lot of people there. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope to be more of a person that represents academia in those because they'll make some major you know, they'll release a standard on something like, you know, even they, it's, on, it's concrete. It's, you know, C6666 is the freeze and thaw of concrete. Um, and there's a bunch of guys getting, and guys and girls and women, you know, and, and you know, industry experts getting together to, to write that standard. Um, but they need research, you Get know. Getting the chopper. Yeah, you know, that's allowed. I wish I knew the standard on <laughs> helicopters. This is, um, this is one of the, the things that you deal with when you do outdoor podcasts, but it's beautiful out. Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to. Uh, you can pass cut up that anyway. I was, I was I lost my train of thought. I'm not because I was thinking it. about that was great. I was thinking about the helicopter. I've, I've actually I've got a really perfect segue for this because um, as soon as fucking someone lands at the airport, uh, I'll get into it. But you um, dealt with I guess not like failure, but like uh, unemployment rates and in an industry that like kind of kicked you off to the side before you could ever really get involved in it. So my question for you is how do you deal with failure or perceived failure and or regrets in your life? Acknowledge them, learn from them. Uh, don't ignore them at all. Cause if you ignore them, you're just going to repeat them. Um, yeah, really acknowledge them and, and find out why it happened. Was it circumstances out of your control within your control and don't confuse the two. Don't hmm. say this was out of my control when really it wasn't really under your control. Um, and realize it's going to happen. Yeah, I like that. I, it took me a long time to be able to deal with personal failure, like not like personal life, but like work failures and like individual, like me, John failures. Um, I think that's something that comes with age, right? You just certainly get to the point where you're a lot more comfortable in your own skin. Um, so I, I, that I think took time. Um, but that's a, an incredible perspective. I, I like. I wish I had that ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, most people do. These are common uh, conversations, uh, you know. Uh, with my younger self you know you just gotta you can't dwell you know you just if you dwell on regret and something you didn't you know I wish I went in this this industry or did this or did that you're gonna ruin whatever you're in now Mm -hmm. by thinking about it in the past so it's a it's just a self-perpetuating cycle of failure I like that you have to give it your all um, and whatever you're doing and you can't do that if you're thinking about past failures, you know, it's very true. 
when I resigned um, to my one of my uh, he's a managing director he was uh, this Korean gentleman and he's very you know just a very you know he can tell you there's a lot of wisdom to him you know and it's it's not just because he's Korean you know <laughs> it's just like he's just a cool you pragmatic know. yeah but so when I had to resign he was a bit in shock um, but he said to me we make we make decisions in life and it could be as simple as that I want a cheeseburger or or do I want a BLT at lunch um, and some decisions are as simple as that but some carry where you don't know the outcome he's like you'll know the outcome immediately when you get the whether you made the right decision because <laughs> like, you're not gonna know the outcome of the decision you're making for years later on because you will know the outcome if you don't give it your all because you're not gonna succeed oh so you have to give it your all and he told me like I was in his office and he's telling me this how old is he uh, it's an extremely, very spot-on assertion. Yeah, like, no, he's an, an older gentleman, you okay. know, you know, close to retirement, I would think, and uh, at some, you know, our, like our dad's age, you know. Yeah, um, 50, 60s, sure. Yeah. What would you say is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? It might have been that. I mean, that's it's pretty fucking yeah, good. And he was, yeah, so he was just, you know, he's like, but if you don't, and he's like, I, I, I understand the decision you're making, and... um it's you know go for it and so that that was um that was a, a pretty good piece of advice and i what i would say my piece of advice is don't force it mm-hmm. whatever if it's meant it is to be, it'll be yeah don't force it if you don't have what's uh if if you don't have a you know when things aren't right listen to yourself simple as that listen you're, you you know you more than anybody else you know when things aren't right and either you deal with them or you don't. But if you don't, you're going to have to live with it. And you will eventually have to deal with it. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's, it is what it is at that point. You know, should I have majored in something else or should I have taken a job offer I had a few years ago? I don't know, you know, but now it's just, you can't think about it. When you, there was a, a, a very long period of my life where I, I, tried to do goal setting of I want to be in XYZ in five years. I want to, you know, be married, have a house, have a dog, have a car, have a blah, 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 be the vice president of this company, whatever. And it's like, um, I was very, very focused on always projecting the next five years, the next five years, the next five years. And I don't do that anymore because I want to. I don't know where I'm going to be five days from now. I mean, I do. I'm going to be in California, but realistically speaking, traveling. You're such <laughs> tra- going to California now is like going to California in the 1870s. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, he's going to California. <laughs> it is a weird time. It'll be my first flight in a year. But ultimately, what my point was trying to be is when you make this big, you know, uh, strategic shift in your life, like from you know employment to non-employment to school. Um, do you have in the back of your head where am I going to be a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? You know, I think it was one of the reasons I think I also left work is that I was so in it at work. I was so sucked into what I was doing that I didn't give really give it those thoughts. Except a little part of me is like, you, should, you know, let's look into this. Let's let's apply here and here um, and give it a shot. Where I, I, I wasn't even like where I want to be. So no, I don't know where I want to be in five years. I don't know where I'm going to be in, in, in 30 days. Um, at this point, it's, you know, I've, I've, it's been such a long year and a half. 
I'm going to take a couple weeks and just plant some tomatoes. But, but I wake up this morning and that part of me is already kicking in where it's, I'm making a list and I'm, you know, making a strategic plan. Cause that's what, that's what I do for a living, sure. you know, is, is planning. And so, uh, but I want, I want some time to just kind of, you know, Reset. mellow a bit, you know, um, well, you certainly had a stress. I mean, like I not, was, not, yeah. I was burnt out before the pandemic started because I never took vacation. And I love traveling, and I would do all that. And I was kind of tired before the pandemic started, and and then I went found another gear. Um, but now I was just kind of kind of out of it. So no, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I read something interesting, and I'm going to quote the wrong statistic as I do on every single statistic I pull out of my ass. But it was something to the extent of like Americans use like 32% of their vacation time, uh, like on a yearly basis, like 80%, yeah. 70 something, something percent. Crazy like it's that. something like, crazy. It's something crazy. Or $3 billion of unused vacation. Yeah. It's, it's something crazy like that. And like, you always get to like have this opportunity for you to reset and or rewind or relax. It's, and no one ever does but, it. But, but John, it, it's, you don't because you're. I'm, when I would take vacation, I, I took last time I took a week's vacation was three years ago. We went to Ireland or four years ago at this point because time's a flat circle since COVID. <laughs> uh, I, the whole time I was like, oh god, like what's like because you know, where's my work? You know what is going on? I was never more relaxed than being off and having just answered the last email inbox because it's like there's no fires. I am off. I can now enjoy being off but I will check in six more hours, you know? And so it was just a, you know, it, what we think of a reset, we don't really know, you know, we don't know what that even is, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, but I say this, but, you know. You're in the midst of one. <laughs> no, I know, but the, my, the, I always, the one thing that gave me perspective was where was my grandfather at this point in his life right now? And it was island hopping in the Pacific with two children at home, same age, he was in the old man draft um, in New Guinea and the Philippines. Wow. He's 32, you know, or 33 at this point. Old, really old for that, for fighting combat. So how can I possibly be like, I need to reset? Yeah. But you do. Sure. But it, back then it was just like, no, just keep going. Yeah. I, uh, I don't look at like age anymore the same as I did even like five years ago. Like, you know, when you're 18, you're like, fuck yeah, I'm 18. I'm a free man. And 21, yeah, I could drink. I could do whatever I want. And you're like 25, like, well, I'm fucking 25. And like 30, oh, it sucks. It's all downhill. And no, in a lot of ways. great, man. 30 is, 30s are. The best, the best. Because you are, you are. More myself today than I was at any other point in my you, life. You kind of know what you want. You're mature. You have. I mean, maturity is such a big deal. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I went back to school now, I would kill it back when I went to undergrad. But you know, because I was just I wasn't mature. You know, and and um, and I know. Like looking back, I see some of my friends. I'm like, man, Teddy was really mature, and I'm God bless him because mm -hmm. I it was a, during the Great Recession, the Dow dropped like a thousand points in a day, and, and back then, kids, that was a lot. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, man, like that's, where do we want to go to a bar? You know, yeah. like, let's, let's day drink. The economy's crashing, you know? And then Teddy was like, no, this is a very big deal. I don't think you realize what, how big of a deal this is. And, you know, he was 20 years old saying that, or 21 years old, where it took me t 10 years to be like, this pandemic is going to be a big deal. We should, we should really look into this, you know? Or, and so it takes time for, uh, people mature at different rates, you know? I, I, I'm, I'm 
big believer in that. It's hard not to be. I mean, just the own sh- the the solo strides that I've made myself in the last twelve months. I'm a completely different person than I was a year from now. Yeah, well, and, and, and a year yeah. from now, I will be a even better, more complete per- version of myself than I am today. That's such a great feeling. I wish I could go back to 25-year-old John and say, bro, stop chasing. I know, tw- I know 25-year-old John. <laughs> yeah, he was a fucking shithead. <laughs> well, what he, well, he was dealing with 21-year-old <laughs> right. me. Yeah. 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 Good times, though, for sure. You get the, we got to get the willies out. <laughs> So growing pains are are an extremely common occurrence in life, and they're it's very cliche to say like I've grown so much over time, but not everyone grows. Some people very much be the same person their entire life, and I am incredibly blessed that I feel as if I am a better version of myself. Yeah, you know what I think we've lost in this society is, is the ability to grow and and or the ability to make mistakes and be able to own your mistakes yeah, and, and change your mind. You, you're not allowed to change your mind anymore in this culture where yeah. it's um, if and I think that's where the disconnect in science is too is that oh I was presented a new data set you know and now I changed my opinion or my hypothesis you do that now you're politically dead it's absurd it's the John Kerry thing where oh you're a flip flopper you know and where it's why so why am I not allowed to change my opinion or change my mind on something that I am now more knowledgeable about? <sighs> it just drives me crazy. It's it is the most exhausting thing about living in 2021. It is you can't make mistakes out loud. You can make mistakes as long as you don't tell anybody about it. You can't think something and then be like, "Oh fuck. I don't I don't feel that way anymore." I don't, I don't. I don't appreciate that because anymore. you're weak, John. If you yeah. do that, especially. I mean, it, it's just. It's it's, it's the re- hyper reinforce. Yeah, the hyper yeah. politicization of everything. It's reinforcing a you know a a, a belief that may not be correct. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. And if I'm somebody who is like you know, oh, I want even if I want to change my mind, I can't. So if okay, so if I can't change my mind, what am I going to do? I'm going to go talk to the people who won't change their mind and just talk to them and they'll talk to me and it's just going to reinforce this bad opinion that I had or this bad this bad position I had on this particular topic and now I'm just reinforcing that. Sure. It's the yeah. echo chamber that we love. Exactly. And that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, if you, if you admit you're wrong, you're politically weak. Uh, I, I, and now you're socially weak. You yeah. Know, you can, I've had countless discussions with people where they have their opinions and I'm, you know, and, and you know, and I'm guilty of it too. Where they might be giving me a position where I'm not too familiar with, and I might say, "Well, you know, well, I still have my opinion," or you know, and I try to do that. I try to admit that I'm wrong once a day because mm-hmm. uh, it's a good. It, it levels you out, it grounds you, and you realize that it opens you up to other other opinions and sure. viewpoints. Where you know, and it, it's people forgot that opinions are like assholes, and everybody has one. Yeah, and that doesn't make yours any prettier or better than mine. It's yeah. still just an asshole. It's still just and a, lot, a lot of people. A lot of them are. <laughs> it's it's true though. <coughs> so, John, what do you look at to turn the tables? How do you know when a picture is good? It's a really or good a question. Photo. A photo, picture, whatever. Um, I don't know. I can't answer that question. I, I've been asked a lot about you know, like I do a lot of documentary style street photography. Um, I don't know the moments that make me pick up my camera and press the button versus the ones that don't. It's I see life differently now since I picked up a camera. I it, I like see frame lines. I see scenes differently. When I'm walking down the street, I notice people more. I notice how it's like a dance. Like I, I've started seeing the world as if people are 
a part of my life, even if they're strangers. Um, and I look for people doing things that are extremely mundane and normal and just capturing that and wanting to share that. I mean, I, I've some of my absolute favorite photos that I've made are my least liked. They're like the least shared, the least... Oh, I'm the same way where I'll be like, I love this picture. And yeah. I was like, yeah, it's really... But I'm like, because we are internalizing the moment as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with that question a lot. Um, I don't I, I don't have a real answer. I just, I see things and in that moment I stop and I take a picture. And, you know, I shoot primarily film um, and more so now digital, but I, I do primarily shoot film. And it slows me down. It slows my process down. It slows the world around me. And I just look to capture people living life. And yeah, that's why I do it. Cause it slows me down. It, yeah. It brings me to a place where I can just look at what's going on in this one particular spot. And it just, it's, Nothing else matters in that one moment. I have to get that one shot. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, It has changed my life for the better in so many ways. Mm. Um, I've I've sold a I don't know maybe like a hundred prints or a couple like a hundred and something photos. Yeah, it's 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 nothing to write home about. It's not a lot, but like every time someone reaches out to me and sends me a text or buys a print or whatever it just further reinforces this is the thing that i'm supposed to be doing mm. and similarly that's why i started the podcast because the feeling that i get when i look at an image that i took that i produced that feeling is what i get when i make these podcasts yeah. it is similarly like gives me that life high that i've been chasing my whole life and in as you get older, it's the things that you do outside of your nine to five that like really give your life purpose. In my opinion, it could be kids, it could be whatever. But for me, it's taking photographs and doing this podcast. And there's no better feeling that I have in my life, except for like you know maybe having a, a really great bourbon. Yeah. Well, it's because you're making an emotional connection with with a something that's not a phone or a TV or sure. It's it's. it's and I think we we've missed that we've lost that a bit where it's you know it's a podcast you're, you're speaking to somebody it's not just a you know you're scrolling through something and I okay oh they have this opinion it's actually speaking to somebody in that moment you're capturing them in an unguarded moment yeah where it's not planned it's not a publicist is you know I gotta have this tweet out apology tweet it's real it's mm-hmm. it's, it's actually communicating with somebody plus t- it, it, the the addition to that is that I've known you 15 years but I've got to know you better in the last 45 minutes than I have over the last 15 years yeah, and that's so it's a very I mean, no, thing. we can we when we both realize that we 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 like to do photography we were both like mm. I was like then, that's weird <laughs> and then you pull out this old camera and I'm like and I was oh, okay. oh that was jeez that was loud <laughs> so John pulls up this old camera and I'm like well what what can I do now and I'm just like showing my iPhone I'm like he has a camera no, a physical camera doesn't matter I, I've gotten to the point where the tool that makes the image doesn't matter to me anymore. Uh, if I have uh, like M6, if I have uh, Canon EOS R, if I have my iPhone, it doesn't matter. I take hundreds of pictures on my iPhone. I don't give a shit. The tool that makes the image is irrelevant to me. That that only that that transition in technology really only occurs when it didn't exist and it was there's people there who remember when that didn't exist and they're saying ours was better because you didn't have this tool sure it's like with painting or 
um, you know, as you know, as techniques got better, I'm sure there are artists who are like, you know, I mean, our painting was better. My, you know, my thought process when it comes to anything creative, whether it's photography or art, like you said, it's the intentionality behind it. Why are you doing this thing? Why are you taking this picture? Uh, what you know, whether you're painting on canvas or you're using your iPad to make something there's intention behind it and what that intention to me is more interesting than what you used to bring out this piece of uh you know work because obviously you're taking that picture because you're reflecting on something that's inside you Mm -hmm. and you're saying this is this is firing a neuron that i don't know why but i have to capture this Mm -hmm. and so that's why it's interesting to me because I, i learn more about myself than what's going on in the photo 100 percent. you know 100 percent um and each reason behind each click of the trigger you know of the of the shutter button says something about the day about how i'm feeling you know i i've gone days shooting where i come back and it's all like isolated individuals um you know what does that say about how i was feeling that day i have days where i'm focusing primarily on couples holding hands or mm-hmm. you know father daughter scenes whatever it might be there are it is a window into how I was perceiving the world that day. And there's no other way I at least can relate my life to than by taking pictures. Yeah. No, I hear you. What's your biggest fear? Ghosts. <laughs> like actual real ghosts? No, I would, yeah, I would say ghosts, but I think, I mean, if you just dig down on the layers, probably the fear of the unknown. So, I don't like swimming in the ocean because I can't see my feet. <laughs> I don't like swimming in lakes because I can't see my feet. Um, I don't like going to uh, those haunted houses where they jump out and scare you. Yeah, fuck that. It's, Not why the that. fuck would you do that? You, you get the adrenaline, but there's no actual tangible reason or benefit for me. Yeah, it, I, it's the fear of the unknown because I think as someone who's always constantly thinking and planning and never stopping that, what is my fear when I'm planning something because I don't know something? Hmm. So my fear, looking back on it, I was afraid of the dark growing up and ghosts and everything. It's because I, I, it's the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. And then what's even scarier is, is finding out maybe, you know, what the unknown actually is. So it's, uh, you know, is the unknown is worse than I thought? Or was I overreacting to it? And then I'll start self diagnosing you overreacted this and everything else so it's just i think it's just the fear of the unknown and so and and how to grapple with that and maybe that's why i'm making the move where we don't know what's coming next and so you know what's better than somebody who's been you know constantly trying to deal with the unknown then leaps right into it to go deal with the problem with the unknown you know and so i like that so maybe it's a bit of me conquering my fear where I, I, I know that I'm going, I, you know, I had a very concrete track, very solid track, and that was going to be my life. And maybe it was discovering, I finally discovered what the unknown was, and it was going to be that life. And I was like, that's great, but I can do more. I can do, I can flip the switch a little bit more. I like that. That's, I think that's like a, a really great self-actualization that, you know, I don't think it's necessarily common. Um, I like to wrap up every podcast with asking a series of questions, um, sort of a little bit rapid fire. And then, you know, there's a couple big ones. Um, so the first question is, what's your favorite book? Hmm. Favorite book. You know, it's so, 
it's it's really overplayed but catching the rye i like catching the rye because i also discovered miles davis at the same time oh interesting and i was in high school just fat you know <laughs> trying to grow a beard and not working you know and and just listening to catching the you know listening reading catching the rye and listening to to miles davis you know kind hold, of blue place in your heart. you know it's also it's not okay to like catcher in the rye anymore you know that like 2021 can't like it anymore even though it's literally masterwork you're not you know yeah there's, a, there's a fine line between that you know <laughs> don't get me wrong it's like my number three favorite book yeah. so i i'm i'm fully being facetious it's just one of those things that now in 2021 not allowed it'll to like. be fine again in 2025 <laughs> yeah it's extremely true what's your favorite movie the Shining, interesting choice. Have and you I, have you read a lot of? Yeah, and I was a uh, at one point I, I was in a very like I was in a very dark place, um, emotionally and spiritually. At, I think it, I don't remember I don't remember much of uh, February, March, April, May, and June. It was kind of just a blur. And I remember, but I remember being in a very dark place and where, you know, looking back on the pictures I was taking and, and I was realizing, okay, this was this date and this was this date. I, I had a whole series of, of gifs or gifs or whatever it is of just um, the shining. shining Jack Nicholson dealing with you know Jack Torrance dealing with what's going on you know and and, and I could explain it th- through twenty gifs or gifs whatever it is Gif. exactly what's going on in my life at that time because like I, I was just like I just texted some like my buddy like this is this is everything right now you know and and it was just the I guess the isolation and dealing with it, um, you know, and seeing how some people react and knowing that I, that's how I, I don't want to react. Uh, but that movie just, it just, it's, it's a cinematography, you know, it's a, a masterpiece. Absolutely. For sure. What's, uh, what's your favorite food? I would say green curry. Really? Yeah. Not what I was expecting. What did you think I was going to say? I don't know. Chicken parm. I mean, yeah, chicken parm is delicious, but you, you, you have, we grew up on that. You haven't, like, flown the coop yet and be like, wow, flavors, <laughs> you know? Like, my mom cooked, God bless her, my mom, like, me and my brother were, the other week were like, you know, what was your, we had the conversation, and we're like, well, you know, meatloaf, chicken parm, chili, beef stew, and it's just like, no, that chicken. Then she made the chicken with the salad. No, yeah, it's like she played her hits, you know. Yeah. And so, like, chicken parm is amazing. I love my mom's chicken parm, but green curry with some good roti. I know there, there's one Thai place that's, um, that's the family's geographically from an area where they have roti, you know, traditional. Um, it's like a fusion restaurant, and I love green curry with roti. Love it. Interesting. Okay. I'm gonna get that. Time. I'll give you that. Um, this is a little bit heavy. Do you believe in an afterlife? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's unknown, so I don't think about it. No, no I, I don't know. I don't. It, it's, it's. You know, I think uh, I don't know. I really don't know. I think that's okay. I think it's like for me I, I like it's hard for me not to imagine something beyond this because it just like what the fuck is like we're not just like some primordial soup that jumped out of the ocean fucking couple apes start standing up and like boom we're here like that to me seems just highly improbable so like i i find it 
difficult to imagine that all of this is for nothing else. Um, but it's certainly understandable to not know. Yeah. Well, we, we as um, humans want to believe in something bigger, mm-hmm. you know, than ourselves. But it, you know, you can apply that to like the JFK assassination where it's, Oh, you know, it, it had to be a mass conspiracy because how could one, the, we can't, you can't really yeah. fathom one guy changing the course of the world, and that's you know you can, you can actually draw the conclusion you know that same logic to you know was the COVID a, a lab leak theory or or this we can't we we rather not believe that just because a, a a bat defecated possibly near a pangolin and or whatever whatever inter, you know you know species that served as the as the uh, as the jump off point the spillover point. How can we, you know, we can't fathom that that could happen. That something is simple out of our control, that that can happen. And then 600,000 Americans are dead. We'd rather believe in some mass conspiracy where humans are the top dogs still. We, you know, we can't really be stopped by anything else. We want to believe in that. Um, but a lot of times it's not true. But what you bring up an interesting point is, but that's the beginning. Mm-hmm. So what's, you know, what's before that? You know, know. Big bang. And there's a... Uh, like a astronomy or you know how they can prove that the, the universe is expanding is you know you can you can ju- you can you know stand on top of a wall and shoot an arrow and that arrow I, I forgot never mind I just that I, I forget the uh, the analogy I have it in my head and I, it's tar- it's it's difficult to um to verbalize it, articulate it what is uh one thing that you've done that you're most proud of. Hmm. I don't know. That's something I'd like you to work on for next time. I don't know. What's something you're most proud of, John? I just think like the immense amount of growth that I've experienced, uh, I would say like over the last five years, like my 30th birthday was both great and also like daunting Hmm. and it's easy to like i have the same conversation all the time like i'm 35 years old i don't know what the fuck i'm doing with my life but i don't know what the fuck i'm doing with my life but i'm now okay with that yeah i and that that is something i'm extremely proud of because you don't need to have the answers at 18 at 30 at 60 at 80 you don't have to have the answer that's, I think, the point of life. Yeah. And, you know, we've, I think this also is, I got to, by 30, by, you know, by 25, by 30, by 35, it, it gets passed down for where, oh my, you know, Alexander, you know, the great conquered the, you know, the Eastern world and she was 32 and they, those people were dead on average by 40 or yeah, 50, right. you know? So they were in their, if, you know, their 50s at that point, if you want to do the ratio, you know, the equivalent. So... We live to, we're going to be living until we're 100, probably. So it just kind of. I, mean, I probably won't, but most people can. Yeah. I won't, I won't be one of those. I don't. I treat my body like a fucking recreational. Well, maybe you should work on that. Should, I work out every day. You should work on your private health. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, okay, last question. Um, give me a recommendation, something that you've consumed lately. Could be a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a book you've read, just something that you've consumed recently that you'd like to recommend for the uh, listeners out there today. <sighs> This is not going to be quick, John. I hope you're not going anywhere. I've got nowhere to go. So I would say, A, cheers. Because during the pandemic, when, you know, it was 
You were locked in your house. <laughs> I ended up watching Cheers for whatever reason. I would at four thirty in the morning, three three thirty in the morning. I would go, I'd go downstairs because I couldn't sleep and watch Cheers because I wanted that like. Hey, welcome to Cheer. You know, like everyone knows each Making other. Your that, way in the it, world yeah, today. it's that social experience. Thing you got. And it was just, it was a great show. But there's one episode where this one guy actually worked at a lab. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And he's like, oh, he's talking about something like a virus might have leaked. And then he, there, and like, um, Ted Danson's like, oh, like, well, let's. I'm probably probably didn't leak it. You're probably fine, you know. And then like the guy's like, yeah, you're probably right. And then he walks out, and everybody freaks out and starts lights alling everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, not Cheers, man, not Cheers. <laughs> not you too. Not you too. Um, but uh, besides Cheers, Great British Bake Off, um, and then also Victorian Farm. I love like history, so like uh, so reading about or uh, watching a show about how they take like four people and they put them in the Victorian era. And they have to live in that era for a year. <laughs> they go to their their homes at like nine o'clock at night, but they're they're stuck in that era. For, and you just realize how things were different. And you get a better perspective. I like that. My recommendation uh, is Dave on FX. Um, I don't know if you saw it with uh, Lil Dicky. Oh, I mean, so season two kicks Dave off. Dave is a great show. It's fucking hysterical. I mean, so season two movie. I mean, yeah, uh, season season two kicks off tonight, and uh, Lil Dicky is just wildly hilarious and. Like, I, I, if you haven't seen season one, go watch it. Season two kicks off tonight. It is hysterical. It is laugh out loud funny. I was thinking of the um, <laughs> the president movie, yeah. Dave. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking of the that, Aaron Sorkin vehicle. So I just kept going. <laughs> Martin Sheen was the Martin Sheen the, because he was in Dave. He he was the the president of the West Wing. Oh, best show of all time. Um, Matthew, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I greatly appreciate your time. You're a true gentleman, can, a wonderful human being. Can I be a regular guest? Like maybe like every third Thursday. I've, I've, I have nothing going I'm on. I'm gonna right try now. to redo all these conversations in six months. Uh-huh. Um, so like kind of like stage two of like where were you today and where are you going to be six months from now? So absolutely, you will be on the podcast again. And uh, I'm expecting great things from everybody. And I love you and thank you. Thanks, pal. Let's get some pizza. I'm hungry. Okay, sounds good.